0: If you like what you hear today, please subscribe to our podcast and join us every month at SoundBites for more insights on understanding, managing, and thriving with psoriasis and psoriatic arthritis.
1: My name is Corrine Pettit, and today I'll be discussing collaborative care from both a physician and patient perspective. Joining me to discuss such perspectives are dermatologist and epidemiologist Dr. John Barbieri from Brigham and Women's Hospital in Boston whose interests include health services research, patient-reported outcomes, and high-value care. Dr. Barbieri recently provided an interesting presentation about improving health outcomes and statin use in psoriasis patients at the MPF Society of Investigative Dermatology Interactive Research Session. Also joining me today is MPF's board chair, Ron Grau, who has had psoriasis for 20 years and has been involved with the foundation since 2011. As board chair, Ron works with the MPF staff healthcare providers, and others living with psoriatic disease to ensure the Foundation's mission is achieved. Ron has a family history of cardiovascular disease and knows firsthand the value of collaborative care. Welcome, Ron and Dr. Barbieri. Thank you both for taking time to join us today. So let's start our conversation with your past or current experience with our healthcare system, acknowledging that you each have had a different perspective. Ron, let's first start with you. Can you tell us what your experience has been?
2: So my experience with the healthcare system, my initial comment would be it's one system not created equally. <laughs> my psoriasis uh, worsened and I decided to go on a biologic drug. My drugs are, are mailed to me. And whenever that happens, uh, there's never a bill. Like, I don't have to pay anything for it. So that really got my disease under control. And if it wasn't for the work that I do with the National Psoriasis Foundation, I really wouldn't think that much about psoriasis. The drugs are that good. However, there are many, probably the majority. Of the people that are out there don't have access to those types of drugs. They have topicals, and however they're treating it. I'm a member of the Overcoming Psoriasis uh, Facebook group, and you just go on there. There's thousands of people with really bad stories out there, you know, just begging for help, and my heart breaks just seeing these. I think they would like to get on the right drugs, but in many cases they're not able to, and so I think the system is a little bit upside down and not fair. And uh, you know, I, I was one of the lucky ones.
1: Yes, very much so. And Dr. Barbieri, from your perspective as a physician, Ron's experience is probably atypical. Would you agree?
3: So I think we've had tremendous progress in our ability to treat psoriasis effectively from a medical standpoint. I think Ron's success highlights what our healthcare system is capable of when it's working well. But I think, as he also points out, it, it doesn't always do that for many of our patients. We have difficulty with access to even just seeing a doctor, but then also issues with access to treatments. Then beyond that, making sure that patients are getting the correct treatments, making sure that we're comprehensively treating not just their skin disease, but also treating some of the other things that can come along with psoriasis. Patients with psoriasis are at increased risk of, of heart disease, heart problems like heart attacks or strokes. And so making sure that not only are we doing a great job of treating patients' skin, but also thinking about some of these other things that we want to make sure we're, we're addressing as well.
1: Yeah, great point. And Dr. Barbieri, in an ideal world, and given what you just mentioned, how should we expect healthcare to work and what is collaborative care? What are the key differences from the traditional healthcare model?
3: In the ideal world, I think what we want to have is, one, we want to ensure that that patients have access to clinicians and treatments for what they need and that we're able to do it in an affordable way, both for individual patients and also just for society as a whole. And so that's kind of a, a key foundational thing. But additionally, We need to make sure that our healthcare system is able to interact. Things are complicated. Diseases can not only affect one part of the body, but can affect other parts of the body. And healthcare has become very specialized where different doctors have different skill sets. That means that they need to be able to collaborate effectively with each other. And so collaborative care models involve trying to build systems around the healthcare providers to make sure that they're able to interact and effectively form overarching care plans for patients to address all aspects of their healthcare needs. And that's something that does differ a bit from many instances of healthcare in the United States where it's kind of up to the patient to, to figure things out on their own often. And so these collaborative care models are more focused on, on making sure comprehensively we're addressing everything about the patients and their medical problems and not just being siloed and focusing on one area.
1: That's so true. And, Ron, what does collaborative care mean to you as a patient?
3: To me as a patient, I think it's very simple.
2: I think it's making sure the left hand knows what the right hand's doing. Doctors are extremely busy. They have a lot going on, so it's hard for them to drop what they're doing and call the other doctor or write a letter or however they communicate. As Dr. Barbie indicated in our previous segment, if I come in with the flared psoriasis, he's going to be more concerned with getting treatment than he is worrying about other things that need to be worried about, but not as worried at the moment because you're in such bad shape at that particular moment time. So in an ideal world, when the doctors, they see the patient, they always make sure that they, the left hand knows what the right hand's doing, whether they do that by picking up the phone or having their assistant do it to make sure that everyone's aware of the different issues and treatments for that particular patient, which could ultimately be a better outcome for the patient.
1: Yeah. Thank you, Ron. And Dr. Barbieri, given how you describe collaborative care and what collaborative care means to Ron as a patient, are there current examples of integrated care in practice today?
3: In the dermatology and rheumatology space, there there hasn't been so much in this area, but in mental health and in management of, of diabetes and other cardiovascular disease, there has been a lot of work, including randomized clinical trials, looking at how can we best design collaborative care models to improve outcomes for patients.
1: And is there evidence that a collaborative care model increases efficiency and effectiveness of healthcare delivery?
3: Yeah, there is. And those trials that I was mentioning in, in what's called a meta-analysis, where they take 10 trials and combine all the results together to get a more accurate estimate of how well does something work, those studies have found that these collaborative care models can be highly effective in these spaces where they've looked at them in mental health and in things like diabetes to improve patient outcomes, whether it's making sure that their depression improved or making sure their blood sugar is well controlled.
1: So Ron, given what you just heard from your point of view, who do you feel should be a part of the psoriasis healthcare team?
2: I think it would depend on the severity of the disease, right? So if you have just uh, an outbreak and, and you're, you have to be on a biologic, I'm not sure that you really you have to have a cardiologist involved at that point in time, the PCP can probably treat you. So for folks that also have other comorbidities, you know, depression, et cetera, I think psychologists would have to be involved, maybe a pain management therapist for folks with that PSA, certainly a dermatologist, rheumatologist, cardiologist, et cetera, all working in collaboration to treat that patient. That'd be my view.
1: I like that. That's a perfect view. Thanks, Ron. And Dr. Barbieri, do you have any additional comments about the psoriasis healthcare team?
3: Yeah add on to Ron's point, but I think that the key thing he's getting us is that the team needs to meet the needs of the patient. So it's important that we screen for potential things that we know can go along with psoriasis and psoriatic arthritis, whether it's depression or cardiovascular disease or other issues. We want to make sure we align the healthcare team to meet what the patient needs, so if they're having issues with having elevated cholesterol, maybe they need a primary care provider or a cardiologist to help address that. If they're having issues with depression, a mental health clinician might be able to help address that. And so we want to try to to build a model where we can make sure that we're screening for all of these potential issues so they're not getting missed. And then we're bringing healthcare professionals who have the right skill set to address those needs of the patient to make sure we comprehensively address all of those different problems that patients with psoriatic disease can face. And then in terms of what are the potential benefits of that, it's making sure that things aren't left out, that we're addressing these other issues that we know patients with psoriatic disease can have. So patients who just have psoriasis, they might have joint disease too. So making sure that, that we're thinking about that and, and not just having the patient think, oh, it's just my arthritis, when it's something that we actually could treat. Making sure that we detect these silent killers of heart disease, so high blood pressure, high blood sugar, diabetes, high cholesterol. These are things that you don't feel as a patient and so it's important that as a doctor that we're thinking about those things and screening for them, because otherwise we might miss them. We might not be able to address them. And then we're not putting our patients in a position to have the best possible outcomes with respect to those risk factors. So collaborative care really has potential to make sure that that we address all of these issues and that we don't end up with tunnel vision or siloed care, where we're only addressing one thing and, and potentially missing this whole plethora of, of other issues and things that can come along with psoriasis that are important. And can I just add something onto that? And and this is more Dr. Barbieri's
2: department than than mine. With regard to depression, when I was uh, covered in psoriasis, uh, I'm depressed about how I look. I was newly married at the time. I just look horrible. So how I viewed myself, how others viewed me, I'm a big South Florida boater. I would have all my friends come over. we go out on the boat. It's August. I'd be wearing long sleeve shirts and long pants. They'd be looking at me like, are you crazy? But no one said anything because they all knew it. <laughs> that's psoriasis. So that would be a reason to be depressed. However, my understanding is there is science behind a link to psoriasis actually causing depression, not because
3: my view of myself. And I think there's kind of some bidirectionality to things that, that maybe you're getting at a bit where if you have psoriasis, that can cause depression and how you cognitively process your psoriasis can impact that as well. And stress and depression can impact your psoriasis. There's actually a really exciting study that came out just this week. And it's on psoriasis. It's in eczema, but it's another skin disease where there's inflammation. It has some similarities in terms of patient's experience where they have itchy spots all over their body. And they took patients and they had them getting normal care for their skin disease. And they randomized them to either get just that normal care for their skin disease or that normal care plus of being part of this mental health intervention called cognitive behavioral therapy. And their outcomes weren't just depression, but actually like how well is their skin disease doing? And the patients who are randomized to getting those mental health services, this cognitive behavioral therapy, not only did they have less depression, which you might expect, they actually had better outcomes with respect to their eczema, to their atopic dermatitis. And I, I wouldn't be surprised that there might be something like that in psoriasis too. I don't think, I'm not aware of a site doing that exact same thing, but. I think that's a great point, that there's this kind of ways that skin disease can impact our mental health, and our mental health can impact our skin disease as well.
1: Absolutely. That's such an important point to make regarding biodirectional relationship of mental health and psoriasis. So turning to another comorbidity that you've both talked about is cardiovascular or heart disease. Dr. Barbieri, earlier this year, you provided an interesting presentation about improving health outcomes and statin use in people with psoriasis at the MPF Society of Investigative Dermatology Interactive Research Session. What factors influenced your proposal of using collaborative care for statin use, and how would this benefit people with psoriasis?
3: Yeah, so based on some of what we had talked about earlier in this podcast, there's an important need. To provide better preventative care for cardiovascular disease among patients with psoriasis and psoriatic arthritis and so we wanted to try to to lay the groundwork for could collaborative care be a potential approach to do that and so we surveyed dermatologists and rheumatologists just to get a sense of would they be interested in being more involved in things beyond just the skin or joint disease and generally answer was yes over two-thirds were were willing to screen patients for things like high cholesterol some were even willing to prescribe medicines like statins and many described that they'd be interested in clinical trials showing whether these models could help their patients. Additionally, we asked them about, if we were gonna make a collaborative care model, how should we do it? And they gave us some very valuable feedback about what kinds of components, things like helping provide patients and doctors with information and using electronic tools or the record to help guide them in terms of how to provide best practices and, and the best possible care for their patients. So to get some sense of if we were gonna design a collaborative care model for psoriasis and psoriatic arthritis, how should we do it? And then beyond that, we also asked patients. So we asked patients with psoriasis and patients with psoriatic arthritis about their interest in these kinds of models. And we found that one, actually 20% of them didn't have an active relationship with their primary care provider. So highlighted that these patients often, we we might say, hey, just go to your primary care provider. I'm assuming they're taking care of it. Well, that assumption is not always true. And so we need to make sure that we're either helping connect those patients with their primary care provider or helping taking on that responsibility. And we found that the vast majority, 80, 90% of patients were interested in having their specialists or dermatologists or rheumatologists be more involved. And many of them thought this would actually be a convenient way to help kind of take care of everything at once with relationship to their skin disease and their joint disease and things that can go along with it. So that work, I think, really lays the foundation for the next step, which is, What is the best way to build these kinds of collaborative care models, doing trials to study, hey, do they actually give the benefits that we hope that they would? We need to actually show that they're going to do that, and if they do, how can we implement them more broadly to make sure that all of our patients are getting the best possible care?
2: Does it make sense for a psoriasis that historically has normal cholesterol
3: ranges? Does it make sense for them to be on statin? That's a great question, and the way I would think about it is that cardiovascular risk is more than just your cholesterol. So you could be someone who has normal cholesterol, but you've got high blood pressure, you smoke cigarettes, you've got diabetes, you have these other risk factors for cardiovascular disease. And they're actually these predictive models where you plug in your cholesterol, you plug in your blood sugar, you plug in your blood pressure and some other information. And we can predict, hey, your risk of having a heart attack in the next 10 years is 15%, or it's 2%, or it's zero practically. And so that to me is the way to make those kinds of decisions is to kind of calculate what's your risk based on all of your different risk factors. And once we know that risk to have a discussion, Hey, you know, your risk is 7% and we know that patients with a risk like that, they benefit from being on a statin, so it's something we should think about. We can talk about the risks and benefits and side effects of of that decision, and then we can decide together how we want to proceed. So that's the way I think about that, but that's a great question. You could definitely have a normal cholesterol and still be someone who might benefit. From a statin, and, and that's because to get a little bit, of the weeds, statins actually they have effects that aren't just lowering your blood cholesterol. That's one thing they do, but they actually can have positive effects on preventing cardiovascular disease like heart attacks and stroke that are independent of that cholesterol lowering effect. Yeah, so there's lots of reasons to be on a statin, not just a low cholesterol. I think is what you're you're saying there, right? Yeah, absolutely. That doesn't mean everyone needs to be on a statin, no. right? So cool. if you have a zero percent, rate, you know, if your risk is 05 percent maybe that's not the right thing for you, but certainly there are people who do. And we know that only 25% of people who would be eligible based on those risk criteria to be on a statin with psoriasis actually are. So it's a big opportunity, we think, to improve outcomes.
1: Yeah. So that's a great segue into our next question, since you're talking about actions that people can take who have of disease. And certainly taking a statin is one such action if prescribed. So, Ron, are there other actions people with psoriatic disease can take to address or improve gaps in healthcare? How can someone advocate for themselves?
2: Well, in some cases, not practical. People really need to advocate for themselves, and you really just need to take action. If you have psoriasis, it's not just something that's on the skin; it's something you really you have to treat it systemically. Otherwise, it's going to be a disaster later on. Again, I'm not a medical professional, but that's just kind of what I've seen, and so you really do need to advocate. I would say the National Historic Foundation, they are a great resource and a great way to advocate. We have advocacy committees and there's step therapy initiatives so that doctors don't have to try this drug first before you go on that one, before you go on that one. And that's been mandated across the states and now we've reversed that in many, many cases. So there's all sorts of things that patients can do to advocate for themselves for better health outcomes. They just have to
3: want to. Yeah, and there's information too, uh, educational information. We've talked a lot about cardiovascular disease, heart disease in this, this podcast, and there's information on that site about cardiovascular disease and what you can do and what you should be asking your doctors about on that site too.
1: Great. Thank you both for promoting resources available through the National Psoriasis Foundation. To access the resources that Ron and Dr. Barbieri mentioned, go to psoriasis.org. You can also call our Patient Navigation Center to request information, such as Dr. Barbieri mentioned at 1-800-723-9166, option one. So Dr. Barbieri, what can healthcare providers do to help change the current paradigm of healthcare delivery?
3: I think there are a few different things that that we need to do as, as healthcare providers and health systems. So one, we need to develop evidence about what are the best practices? How do we organize providers together, clinicians together to provide the highest quality care for our patients? who are the patients who are at risk and need certain services and how can we make sure that they're getting that care that they need? And then how can we, as a health system, beyond just as a doctor, how can we advocate to make sure that everybody has access to care, that people are able to see doctors and be on the medications that are appropriate to address their health problems? And so those are all critical foundational steps to make sure that we know what are the right things to do. And then once we have that information we need to do, the implementation work to spread that out to make sure that everybody knows this information and is addressing it, because it's something that unfortunately we see in our work that many patients and and even many doctors aren't aware of some of these important issues. And so making sure that, that everybody is aware of these issues and making sure that we're developing systems and implementing them to ensure that patients get the highest quality care.
1: Yes, gathering the evidence and access to care for all who need it is so important. Dr. Barbieri, thank you so much for being here today to shed light on what is needed to promote collaborative care. Do you have any closing comments about collaborative care that you feel are important for our listeners to be aware of?
3: I think just to summarize a bit what we talked about, in patients with psoriasis and psoriatic arthritis, they're at higher risk of of things like heart disease and stroke. And it's an important area that we need to address to make sure we're providing the best possible care for our patients. And collaborative care and coordinated care are, are opportunities to potentially improve the care that we provide for our patients and to make sure that they're getting all of the care they need beyond just their skin and joint disease and to make sure that we're comprehensively thinking about them as an individual.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Treating the individual beyond their skin is so important. And Ron, do you have any closing comments you would like to share with our listeners today? Yeah.
2: Dr. Barbieri said it very well. I would just say psoriasis and its comorbidities is serious business and Hoping there's listeners that'll take the first step and get some help, get in to see their doctor and whatever sort of collaborative care they, they need, the PNC, the patient navigation center is a, a very, very helpful resource. They should reach out whenever I talk to someone that has psoriasis. Obviously, being on the board and running in the psoriasis circles, I know a lot lots and lots of dermatologists and rheumatologists, etc. But I'll always say, you know, go to the patient navigation center, get started there. And I, I would say nine times out of ten that's the last time I have to talk to that person because they're at the point where they, they have what they need to, to start their
3: journey on getting themselves for the help. This is a lot about the PNC. I well, just thank Ron and the National Psoriasis Foundation for all, all the work that you do for our patients. Thank you, Dr. Barbier. Thanks for all you do. Greatly appreciate it.
1: Well, thank you both again for being here today to address the collaborative care and what implementation could mean to improving healthcare delivery and overall outcomes for people with psoriasis and psoriatic arthritis. Improving access to care and health outcomes is a key part of MPF's mission. As Ron mentioned, if you have questions about psoriatic disease or need help finding a physician near you, contact the Patient Navigation Center at 1-800-723-9166, option 1, or email education at psoriasis.org. We're here to help you. And finally, SoundBites is supported by unrestricted educational grants from Amgen, Bristol-Myers Squibb, Janssen, Novartis, Pfizer, and UCB.
0: We hope you enjoyed this episode of Sound Bites for people with psoriasis and psoriatic arthritis. If you or someone you love has ever struggled with psoriatic disease, our hope is that through this series, you'll gain information to help you lead a healthier life and inspire you to look to the future. Please join us for another inspiring podcast. You can find this or all future episodes of Sound Bites on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Google Play, Ghana, and the National Psoriasis Foundation webpage. To learn more about this topic or others, please visit psoriasis.org or contact us with your questions or comments by email at podcast at psoriasis.org.